Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. What is the point of all the prophecies in the Bible? Today, Pastor J.D. says they all serve to point us to Jesus and His eventual return. If you can make that your primary focus, then you are ahead of most. The biggest challenge of the modern church is that everyone is focused on the signs instead of the destination. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on November 26th, 2023. What I want to talk with you about today is how what's coming is that which points us to who's coming. And the reason being is that there are numerous and voluminous prophetic signs about what's coming, but their purpose is to prepare us for who's coming. I think we do err greatly when we focus our attention on the what especially when it comes at the expense of the who. Who? Jesus. As I shared last week, if it doesn't get me to Jesus, I'm not interested. Because everything points to Jesus, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. But this is yet another one of those pitfalls, like I mentioned last week as well, concerning Bible prophecy, such that we tend to get hyper-focused on the signs. And the problem with this is the sign is merely there to point to and provide direction for the very reason the sign is there in the first place. Here's an illustration. Again, this is the best one I got, so if you got a better one, please let me know. There's a sign in Honolulu. Why is it there? What's the purpose for that sign being there in Honolulu? It's there to point me to and provide me direction for my final destination, which is Kaneohe. I hear there's a great church on the windward side. That's what the purpose of the sign is. So in this illustration, the sign in Honolulu are the prophecies in the Bible pointing me to my final destination. It's fulfilled its purpose. The sign is not done away with, it's still there. It's just fulfilled the purpose for being there in the first place. That's what signs are. That's what Bible prophecy is. It's for a purpose. And if you really wanted to, and we've talked about this prior, they're called appointed times that 
point to the time that was appointed. <laughs> I'll try that again. It's Mo'ad in the Hebrew. It's the same word in my original language of Arabic, my native tongue, Mo'ad. It means appointed time. Festival translated in Leviticus 23 when it comes to the feasts of the Lord given to Israel. They were all prophecies, Mo'ads signs that pointed to a time yet future when they would be fulfilled by the person of Jesus Christ. Example, the first three right out of the chute. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. Crucifixion, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those three feasts, Moads, signs pointed to the person of Jesus Christ as the final destination in His first coming. However, for us, for me, our final destination is not just a place that's being prepared for us. It's a person who's taking us to that place He's prepared for us that is in His Father's house that if it were not so, He would not have told us. So who is this person? Well, His name is Jesus. And His name is the name above all names. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, Philippians 2.9, Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. It was because of the name of Jesus that Peter and John were taken into custody by Annas, Caiaphas, and others in the high priest's family. In Acts chapter 4 verse 7 we're told that they had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. And here was the question they asked of them. By what power or what name did you do this? What did they do? Oh man, people were getting saved and healed. Lepers were being cleansed. The cripples were being healed. And so they're, they're questioning Peter and John. How did you do that? By what power or what name did you do this? Then in verse 10, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, key by the way, answers them saying, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. That's his name. And then Peter goes on in verse 12, and of the name of Jesus says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The name Jesus only. All right, let's get to the point. Some of you are saying, please do. The point is actually 
the whole point, pun intended, is that everything points to the person of Jesus Christ. Starting in Genesis 1-1, by the way. All through Scripture, every book, every chapter in every book, virtually every verse in every book points to the person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. It all points to Jesus. Even in the, the priestly service, the Levites in the tabernacle, and then subsequently in the temple when it was built, everything they would do pointed to the person of Jesus Christ, who would ultimately fulfill that which they were doing. The wave offering, not the wave offering, when we worship in the stadiums at those events. Well, that didn't go over too well. I'm going to leave that one right there between you and the Holy Spirit. This wave offering was north, south, east, west. Watch this. In the shape of a cross, pointing to the person of Jesus Christ and the finished work on the cross. And that's, that's just one of many. In fact, even just talking about the Moads, the feasts, the signs, the festivals, the Passover, fulfilled by the person of Jesus Christ, that tenth plague, the death of the firstborn, hello, <laughs> the firstborn son. But if you had the blood of the lamb inspected for four days, the number of days Jesus was on trial, we talk about this when we partake together of communion. Four days found to be without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. And then at the exact time Jesus was crucified, they would take that innocent lamb and they would break its skin, not its bones, and they would shed its blood and they would take a hyssop branch like was brought up to Jesus. But they would take that hyssop branch, dip it in the blood of that lamb, and they'd put it on the doorposts of their house, top, basin at the bottom, left, side in the shape of a cross, so that death would pass over them. It all pointed to Jesus Christ, who would fulfill the Passover prophecy. That's the whole point. Everything points to Jesus. And every Bible prophecy that we have, both Old and New Testament, points us to the person of Jesus Christ, who's coming to take His church out of this world before the seven-year tribulation. However, we still have a problem. What's the problem? The problem is we're parked at the signs, or worse yet, we're just staying focused on the signs. So here's Bible prophecy. We're just looking at the Bible prophecy. You're parked there. You got it in park. This is what I'm hoping to do today, is to get it in gear. Get it out of park, get it in gear, and get to Jesus, because that's what that prophecy is there for. Whenever you read therefore in the Bible, you have to ask yourself, what is the therefore therefore? That could be asked of Bible prophecy. What is that prophecy there for? Oh, it's there, not for me to just park tailgate. I'm still bringing up those sports uh, (laughs) 
wow, I'm stepping on some toes, I can tell already, I better stop. No, that prophecy is there to point you in the right direction and to get you moving in that direction, because that is there to get you to Jesus. If it doesn't get you to Jesus, then it has not fulfilled the purpose for being there in the first place. And by the way, let me, let me define Bible prophecy. I hope I'm not, I'm not angry, <laughs> by the way, it might seem like it, but it's a custom in my country to yell. Bible prophecy, broadly speaking, is that which was foretold would take place yet future. That's what Bible prophecy is. And who's the spirit of prophecy? Jesus. It's the testimony of Jesus, is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, Bible prophecy is prophecy about Jesus. Period. Don't put a comma there, please. Now here's why, and here's how, because we're going to get it in gear. I'm putting myself in there too. I'll take one for the team. That's fine. We're going to put it in gear and get to Jesus. First, the why. Simply put, and I hope you don't tire of me saying this, because I think I say it every week, probably more than once. Jesus is coming, and we must get Jesus to people, and people to Jesus now. Now. Here's how. By taking the signs that are all around us of what's coming, and redirect the attention to who's coming. Let's not stay parked at that sign. So let's do that. And to do that, I've created another chart, since I'm pretty sure that this is what I'm going to be doing for all eternity. And with great joy, I might add, because I love charts, I love lists. I, I know they have clinical terms for this, but I, my theory is this. Everything in here is so kapakahi that when I'm able to create a chart and organize it and list it, it overcompensates for, that's enough, that's too much information, and don't talk to my doctor about it either. So, but I, I, the chart is actually a list of these aforementioned signs slash prophecies, along with all the other prophecies in the Bible, all of which point to Jesus coming soon and very soon. <laughs> Thank you, by the way, for that, Capono. So this list, again, the purpose of it is to get in gear and get to Jesus and get others to Jesus. Now, it's not exhaustive. It's not in any particular order, but these are just some of the many signs that point us to who's coming, and dare I say, who's soon coming. And by the way, it's not Santa Claus who's coming to town. Number one, I'll go through these quickly because we've covered these in depth in prior updates over the years, but this one is hot right now for what I think would be deemed obvious reasons. It's the prophecy about an invasion into Israel from the north by an alliance of nations prophesied in Ezekiel 38. And 
the purpose of this prophecy points us to the person of Jesus Christ. How do you get there? Because Israel is ground zero for Bible prophecy. Everything goes down in Israel that happens to Israel and with Israel, especially when it comes to the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. We'll talk about that in a moment. We've got a lot of things we're going to talk about in a moment. Well, just hang on. Number two, and this one is, I mean, they're all biggies, but if I'm going to spend some time on one of them, it's probably this one that I should spend that time on. You're familiar with this account, particularly in Matthew 24, when the disciples come to Jesus and ask Him, what are going to be the signs of your return and the end of the age? It's really, if you look at it, it's a threefold question. But the basis for the question is, what are going to be the signs? So Jesus answers, and you know his answer, right? Interesting, the first sign that he says will point to how soon I'm coming will be deception. Let no man deceive you. False Christ saying, there he is over there, there he is over there. Deception, number one. And then he goes on to grocery list, as it were, that nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famine, pestilence, plagues, earthquakes in various diverse places. And then he likens them to birth pains, which come in greater frequency and greater intensity. And those are the signs. And not only does he give them the signs that point to his return, he also includes with those signs how soon he'll return. Because they're going to increase. There will be an increase like labor pains, a woman in labor. The birth pains come with greater frequency and greater intensity. So the more frequent those birth pains slash prophecies come, the more intense those birth pains slash prophecies are, the closer it is to when I come for you. That's what that prophecy points to. Number three, a worldwide cry for peace and security. I've been following this particular prophecy in 1 Thessalonians 5.3 since the 80s. Peace and security, in that order, because you're not going to have national security, homeland security, until you first have peace. Peace and security. Now, some of your translations render it peace and safety. It's the Greek word asphalia, which can be translated safety, security, or even stability. So we'll say of a region, there's instability when there's a war. No, not instability, stability, security safety, peace, and security. And this prophecy is so powerful in how it points to Jesus Christ and the soon rapture of the church of Jesus Christ is because he says very detailed that while they're saying those two words, peace and security, 
sudden destruction will come upon them like a woman in labor. There's your labor pains again, and they will not escape. Now stay with me. This is why this, I'm spending more time on this one. I said I wouldn't do that. Just let me have it though. Interesting, sudden destruction comes down on them, but we are not them, we are we. And we who are still alive and remain are going to be caught up when sudden destruction goes down. Never mind. Number four. Did you make that connection? Is this happening? Are they saying peace and security? You can hardly read an article on a worldwide level dealing geopolitically about anything, anywhere, at any time that doesn't have those two exact words that they are saying. Well, that one gives me chicken skin. Number four, an intoxicating obsession with dividing Jerusalem into two. We know it as the two-state solution. Hitler's final solution repackaged. Why do I say that? Because for Islam, there's no such thing as peace with Israel. In fact, according to the Hadith, peace with Israel means the destruction of Israel. They don't want peace with Israel. They don't want to live side by side in peace and security group hug with Israel? No. Muhammad and Saladin after him would make peace with their enemy and then destroy them. By the way, that's Daniel 8 too, which we could talk about in number 5. You can include it with Daniel 9.27. But it's the enforcing. I'll use the word enforcing. This is the Another one of those places in the Old Testament where the Hebrew word is the same as my native tongue of Arabic. It's the word ikhbir, ikhbir. You get to spit on everybody, free baptisms today in the front row. But it, it carries with it the idea of enforcing, strengthening, making stronger, something confirming something that's already there. In other words, it's already on the table. We just got to execute it. We've got to enforce it. We have to make it ikhbir. It's this enforcing of a seven-year peace agreement with many. And here again is where the destruction comes. That's what Daniel 8 says. I want to say it's verses 44 and 45 that very interesting, depending on your translation. With his policy of peace, can I say foreign policy of peace? He will destroy many. Through peace he will destroy many. Peace and security, then sudden destruction. Daniel 9.27, talk about detailed prophecy. In the midst of the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist is going to commit the abomination that causes desolation, and the Jews are going to flee for the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, at the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation, and they're going to flee to what many believe to be Petra in modern-day Jordan, where God will protect Israel for the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, because that's the purpose of the tribulation, is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. 
You've been listening to the latest prophecy update that Pastor J.D. has been sharing. And as always, it's fascinating to hear and learn about how the things going on in the world relate to things predicted in the Bible. If you're ever interested in finding out more about this ministry, head over to jdfarag.org. That's jdfarag.org to learn more. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to come check out our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. There's a Calvary link at the bottom of our webpage, so look for it at jdfarag.org. That link will give you more info on service times, directions, and more. Also, on our website, you'll notice a tab at the top that says ABCs. This is a helpful tool if you're in need of understanding a more in-depth view of what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus. If you or any friends or family need some clarification, this should help clear some things up for you. Again, that website is jdfarag.org. Next time, you'll get to hear some more interesting things about current affairs and how they relate to what the Bible says to be true. The prophecies in the Bible were not just mentioned casually. Every prophecy written in the Bible will come to pass. So there's much to understand about what's to come. We look forward to that time with you and hope you'll join us then. Until then, may you be looking for wisdom from God in spirit and truth. 